Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The Andy J Podcast. Podcast. Hello, welcome to episode 86 of the Andy J Podcast. How are you doing? Hope you're having a really strong week. Now, following on from last week's very special conversation with musician James Arthur, we thought we'd bring you another musical guest this week, the wonderful Katie Mellower. Now, Katie, of course, not only is she a huge star and one of the most successful uh, female singer-songwriters of all time in the UK, with just a colossal number of sales, she's been around forever... But Katie, actually, this is her second time in conversation with us for this show. Now, last year, it was uh, summertime last year, she spoke to us very openly, not for a full hour, but a really, really deep chat about her past and about her struggles and indeed the time she ended up having to do six weeks in hospital to, to recover from a breakdown. Now, we don't go into huge detail on that this time out because previously discussed it so if that's something you'd like to revisit then do just search for her from an earlier episode or indeed our previous mental health episode that we released last Christmas where she starred alongside several of the other big chats we'd had last year around the mental health conversation. Now this time out Katie is on absolutely sparkling form I'll tell you what she is a radiant brilliant fascinating lady and she's so smart so intelligent and clearly such a deep thinker around the world and everything that's happening within it and her place in the world so I really not only do I love chatting to Katie because she's great great company I love chatting to her because she surprises me not because I'm surprised at how smart she is but just the way she looks at the world it always she sees it through different eyes and i just think it's absolutely fascinating so it's a real insight into her we also have a lot of fun in this chat we really really enjoyed it and well i say we i really enjoyed it i hope she did as well and i sincerely hope you do too so rather than me waffle on about what's coming up i'll just let you get into this and i can tell you as well we have some really huge guests on the way before we hit christmas if you're listening to this in real time goodness me the christmas countdown is on now isn't it present buying and thinking about christmas trees and all that sort of stuff it is certainly invading the uh, the j household right now we'll have to get on it properly as the countdown begins but for now let's focus on chat and here is the wonderful return of katie mellower the andy j podcast As you know, this is the show that talks to celebrities and achievers. And what we've been doing over the last year or so is having full, in-depth conversations for the whole hour with very special guests. And my guest today, well, she's utterly remarkable. She's a singer-songwriter, potentially the most successful, given her age, the UK has ever produced. She is the wonderful, the remarkable, the frankly gorgeous Katie Mellower. How are you doing, Katie? I'm great, Andy. Thank you so much. You always do the sweetest introductions. (laughs) (laughs) only to people I really like I mean you can tell how much I like someone based on the length of the intro you know sometimes Uh, you'll just be uh, like hey welcome to the Andy J show my guest today hi how you doing whereas (laughs) you I've got pages and pages and pages that I could just do and Katie 
we spoke last, uh, it was summer last year was the last time yeah. we caught up and the listeners were able to kind of duck in and stuff. And that brought up a couple of things. And we're going to talk about something that was really important that we spoke about last time as well in a little bit. But that brought back a couple of things that I thought was a bit of fun. The first one is that we're birthday buddies, which I love. Yes, yeah, 16th of September. Yeah. I mean, I'm obviously vastly older than you you are a whippet of, of a youth but I am a yeah. very old man but we still have the same 16th which I love and the other one was randomly that I had your number in my phone which I don't understand and I've still been trying to work my way through it and I can only <laughs> assume that we we basically met once we'd had a few drinks that's my guess maybe I mean I assume it's it's now um like a poster in your kitchen my number, you know. <laughs> it's a it's a tattoo on my heart. What can I say? Excellent. Oh. <laughs> I'm just relieved you haven't blocked me. I mean, that's. I know, but do we do we do we remember where where we met each other and how we swapped numbers, so, or or is it actually uh, frighteningly uh, impossible <laughs> number? <laughs> well, I have actually been ranking, sort of racking my brains on this one, Katie. And there's two things that I think it could be. Right, one of them was when I was hosting Record of the Year for ITV, and you were uh-huh. one of the artists, and that was a billion years ago. You know, when yeah. we were both young, even I was young then, and there was definitely, definitely a very big after-show party that followed. And I know you were in the bar then because I'd clocked you, so it's possible that I had enough to drink to then have the courage to come up to you and maybe get your number. That might oh, be it, goodness. but I don't know if you would have given me your number back then. I mean, I was like more handsome than I am now, so maybe. <laughs> Well, I don't. I mean, yeah, it's quite possible. But uh, it, well, the reason why I say that is that um, there were so many parties back then, and <laughs> <Yes>. uh, <laughs> you know, and I, you know, I think you're a great guy, Andy. So yeah, it's awesome that uh, that we have each other's number. Bless your heart. I mean, that's that'll that'll keep me going to Christmas. That one, Katie. I'm I'm over the moon. But you're right. There were so many parties, and and look, the other thing that we talked about that one of the big themes that came up that we've had such a reaction to was, of course, mental health and challenges that you've had and, and gone through, and you, you had a breakdown and so on. And and we talked about that at length last time. So I don't want us to kind of go on and on about it today. But I did want to sort of flag up the reaction that it had had to the audience and your honesty meant a huge amount to an awful lot of people. and Well, so, so. I just thought you did such an amazing job, actually, if I may. Um, you know, I listened to, obviously, we recorded the episode um, with me last, you know, last year, but then in December for you to have, you know, put uh, a lot of, you know, a, a bunch of the other celebrities, um, you know, and create a special mental health awareness episode. It was just beautiful. I was actually listening to it recently and I thought it was, fantastic and I'm just so glad that that conversation has become so much more normal these days it's one of those really interesting things isn't it Katie I mean you and I have been in the business long enough to sort of see trends and see changes and see Mm -hmm. the way that public have adapted and adjusted and accepted and so on and I think in our early days in showbiz that it was it was a kind of it was quite a closed shop. You know, you didn't really talk about how you were feeling. Everyone just had to be smiley and bright and happy. And that was that. Whereas now I think it is acknowledged that, of course, it's easy to talk about show business is the only thing we know. The greater, the greater good, the bigger uh, population out there have, have a much harder time of it generally. But in terms of, of mental health, you know, it is, it is now not just accepted, it's, igno- it's acknowledged in a big way. You know, you're allowed to have days off where you can call the boss or whoever it is you've got to call and say, look, I'm, I'm having a, a day where I need just some privacy. I just need some time out. And there's no questions asked. People just accept it. Got it. Exactly. I think people are a lot less binary in their thinking. You know, this idea that 
you know, you're super successful, you're famous, uh, that it's brilliant and addictive and it's positive. It's, it's actually quite an old fashioned uh, way of thinking. And so people are a lot more aware of the nuances of what it means to be a human being. And so that does mean days off and, um, yeah, needing to kind of take your mind off that treadmill. Yes, fame is different now as well, isn't it? You know, like I say, when when we started out, mm. I mean, social media wasn't a thing. That's that's changed everything. You have an immediate reaction to anything you do now, and and actually, a lot of people out there, whether they like it or whether they're not into it, just decide to be a mm. bit nasty for absolutely no reason. People feel an ownership of of celebrities if they've liked a song or disliked a song, if they've liked a photograph or disliked a photograph, they've found a reason to shout about it into the void, and actually that comes back to hurt the individual, doesn't it? It does. I mean, I think. You know, everyone is also a lot more exposed. And I think social media, for me, has given a taste of fame to to potentially everyone. You know, so, you know, any person, whether they're in the public eye or not, the fact that um, most teenagers do, you know, are on social media, they're on Facebook and on Instagram, and these are visual mediums and they're, they're platforms where you can share as much or as little as you want. So... Everyone is kind of experiencing that some level of fame, you know, or some of those sort of byproducts of fame. And I feel like that it's kind of like, for me, it has gotten rid of that divide between the old famous, um, you know, and and the public in a way. And ultimately, I mean, there shouldn't really ever have been a, a big divide, but of course there is, because that's how society is has been built. But I'd say social media has kind of, you know, made everyone a little bit more closer to each other and just have that closer contact where you can go, you know what, this person who happens to be maybe a fan of my music um, is just going through something really terrible and suddenly I'm really connected to their lives, you know, and and I I have a a window into their lives. And I don't know, I think that's quite quite fascinating. I mean, it's both frightening and also very, um, uh, very connecting. Yes, yes, I do know what you mean. Although fame now, as you've as you've asserted, the old fame and the new fame, there's a there's a word that that sort of seems to disconnect everything, which is talent. You know, old fame was mm-hmm. imbued in talent. You know, you are a brilliant singer songwriter, therefore you're famous because you've been able to find a, a platform that's elevated you, and and the world can hear it and 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 love it. Lots of people are famous for various sporting achievements or whatever it might be, being good at something. New fame, I, internet yeah. fame. I mean, there's there's, mm. there's a lady who's incredibly famous because she's a she's great at cleaning a house, and that's I'm not saying that's not a talent, but it's it's not something that would have been considered fame worthy a decade ago. Do you know what I mean? Well, I don't. I mean, cleaning houses that that's I would consider <laughs> that fame worthy because it's <laughs> yeah, that's a serious thing. Um, yeah, but you you know what but, I'm yeah, getting I mean, at? It's I, not I, yeah, you know, course, there's not going to be course. like you know, a movie about someone cleaning a house, if that makes sense. Whereas now there might be, and that's, and that's, it's great on one level, but also it's something that, you know, it sort of bends your head slightly. Computer games, people that play computer games got thousands, hundreds of thousands of people following them because they can play a computer game. Well, good for them. Good for them for making the most of it. But it does take some adjusting. It certainly does. But I do like the, the sort of the reality that has been added to, you know, some of the entertainment that, that we consume, you know, so things don't have to be as perfect. Things don't have to be as polished. 
And and it seems like there is just a lot more available for us to consume. Now I'm looking at it as a as a punter, you know. So, you know, anything I might be interested in, like for example, the Silk Roads and the history of the Silk Roads. I recently discovered a great book by Peter Frankopan, um, you know, about the trading routes of the ancient world. You know, and I can go and find so much information and entertainment about it. You know, and so that is a positive. But I think the problem these days becomes actually how to stay focused on like the job that you might have to do and not get distracted by, yes, you know, maybe suddenly, you know, a YouTube channel about how to clean your house or watching someone else play a computer game. So I think like trying to stay focused, that might be the new talent that that will have great value in the future. I don't know. What do you think? That makes a lot of sense, actually, Katie. Yeah, I mean, when I've, I've sort of had the privilege of speaking to quite a few sort of very famous people like yourself who have been open about challenges and battles and issues they've had, and, and a lot of them do come back to the demon of distraction, of noise, yeah, you know, of yeah. that sort of letting the world in. You know, it's not just a case where you can turn up to a microphone and, and pick up your guitar and sing now, you know, mm. where you and, and thousands of people are sharp and, and do that. It, there's a whole world of other things happening. I mean, in, in, in your case, and again, we don't need to go down this road too, too sort of deeply if you don't want to, but you know, I've, I've kind of looked into a bit more of, I think you've spoken a little bit more since we, since we spoke. And, you know, one of the things that you were saying is, is that part of the reason why you had a challenge was that you were sitting in marketing meetings, learning about your audience. And I think it was something like, you know, men in their forties and fifties who drive Volvos. And this was when you were <laughs> early twenties and you were thinking to yourself, well, I mean, how do I, how do I present for them? And that's, that must've been a real, a head spinner. How do you figure your head around that? I mean, yeah, it's just, it is bizarre because you do kind of find yourself in these really strange situations. But I guess what I would say to myself was that, okay, this is the marketing department's their um, net of how, how they are trying to, do the best job they can so it's like these are the parameters that they've gone to search for you know who is the typical katie Mallow listener and so by asking that question it's almost like you limit you know you then limit where you're going to search and, and how you're going to search and what kind of information you're going to find you know so I, I guess i would tell myself that to kind of just realize that you know the thing was quite absurd and <laughs> You know, not to get too uh, too frustrated about it. I've also just tried to recently be a lot more, you know, relaxed about about the way the world is. You know, if you're trying to find focus, you know, you're, you're trying to create great records. I've been thinking lots about, you know, how and, and why we listen to records these days, despite all the distractions that there are. I think it's actually really interesting that, you know, the record and a musical artist isn't quite at the central sort of cultural space that they were in the, you know, from the 60s through to the early noughties. You know, and I find that actually fascinating because, you know, I think it's an even more of a, a challenge to then create works that will, you know, that will kind of get people to come into your, come into your world and, and be soothed by music and be hopefully inspired by what it is that we do so I'd say it's all part of life that's a really 
really curious way of looking at it, Katie. And and, and so <laughs> I, th- I think I think you're on the money because one thing I've noticed, and it's it's the bite-sized nature of everything these days. You know, it's now, and I don't know how this affects you as an artist, so I'm going to ask you because you're here. It used to be, I remember when I was growing up, it would be that you would go and buy your LP or your or your album mm-hmm. on vinyl or a cassette or whatever. And it would be about the whole album experience. It would be about every song in chronology. You would hear mm-hmm. it as one. You would sit and listen to the whole thing. You'd turn the cassette over at halfway or whatever it might be or the record. And it would be a special thing. And artists would think very carefully about the running order of their album. And, mm-hmm. and, and you'd, then you'd pick which one the hits were going to be and so on. But it seems nowadays with your streaming services and your Spotify's and everything else, it's about that one song rather than the whole album experience. And that must be quite peculiar because I doubt it changes the way you write music, but it, I presume it changes the way you put the albums together. Well, yeah, I mean, you, I think you just have to think about how people, you know, and how we consume and how we listen to music. The most important thing, though, is that I think music can still utterly move you and move your soul to the core um yesterday i went to the royal albert hall it was actually one of my first um sort of ballet concerts that i've seen you know since since the lockdown and um and i basically discovered the music of hachaturian i hope i'm pronouncing it correctly uh, an armenian russian composer and it just obliterated me you know like it was astonishing it it felt like I was being shown a part of heaven that I'd never witnessed before you know and that was a piece of orchestral music that that's just capable of doing that so you kind of think okay there's all these you know different ways that people consume and you know and different methods of it but um you know music is really capable of a lot and 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 I think, you know, really tapping into that feeling and not getting distracted, even by the, by the, the business, the changing business landscape is, uh, is really important. Yes, yes, you're, you're so right. I mean, you said earlier, you know, that everybody needs sometimes a day or just some time to switch off. And mm. ahead of our conversation, I obviously naturally decided to listen in one hit you know, rarely happens these days. Like I've just talked about that one hit album. I decided to listen to Acoustic Album Number Eight, which came out yesterday, of course, and we're going to come on and talk about it. I was aware of last time we spoke, you were just about to bring out Album Number Eight, and we know that that's gone on to be a terrific success, and loads of people have enjoyed it, and it's been wonderful. Now you have Acoustic Album Number Eight, and I sat down to listen to the whole thing in one hit, just to just to give myself that moment. And my goodness, it's a it's a remarkable listen. It's I found myself being calmed by listening to it. It was it was really it's absolutely beautiful. It's also incredibly seductive, if if you don't mind me saying, Katie. It's like, <laughs> well, well, thank you so much. I mean, I find music really seductive. You know, I find it really addictive. Um, and also, I mean, some people might be wondering, you know, it's a release of a record that came out last year, but of course, this is an acoustic version and. And I always find it fascinating how songs can be put into different settings. So whether it's an orchestral setting or whether it's a band setting or indeed in this situation, a totally stripped back, just guitar and voice um, with a few magical additions in Simon Goff's violin playing and Mark Edwards' keyboard keyboard playing, you know, and then suddenly the words kind of tilt in a different way. There's, there's different emotions that, 
rise out from certain lines. And um, it's really beautiful. I'm, I'm super glad you enjoyed it. <laughs> I really enjoyed it. And, and it is a very different experience to because of the acoustic nature of it. it. It's not like, you know, when people go and see Bob Dylan, for example, there's this kind of well-known thing with Bob Dylan that sometimes you won't even recognise the song he's playing because he'll just take himself off and do a, and do a completely different version. Mm. And you'll only just about work out what it is once he's about, you know, five lines in and you're Half kind of going, hang on, yeah. what is it? What is it might be? <laughs> It's not, I mean, it's not like that. You, you haven't kind of taken complete tangents and done a country and Western twist or anything like that. But it is, it is so absorbing. It, it's a, honestly, I had chills of, of delight as I was listening to it, Casey. It really is. It's a beautiful, beautiful piece of, of, of audio for, for, for every, every song. I was wondering actually about, because of course, last year when we were talking, album number eight was coming out and and we were talking about the pressure of that you know the first seven had done so well and so on and now of course I mean this is effectively album number nine if you see what I mean were were you considering calling it like 8a because it's acoustic (laughs) uh no that one didn't come up in the meetings actually (laughs) the the Volvo drivers (laughs) wouldn't approve (laughs) no I yeah or maybe they would I don't know um it was a you know what? There, there was one song on there called um, "A Love Like That," which was actually the first single from the orig- from the parent record. Yeah, and we completely slowed it down, and and so that tempo change, you know, created a, a big, big difference on it. Um, and yeah, I mean, of course, the other reason why we're able to actually record this record um, is because we were meant to tour the original album. You know, and I probably, I mean, I've been thinking about how uh, sort of different life has gone because of the pandemic. And it's like this great event that's happened to all of us. And suddenly, you know, I'm ima- I was imagining, you know, what I would have been doing, you know, if we'd gone on tour, if the pandemic hadn't have happened. Um, you know, wh- whereas now, because we've all been at home, there was a chance to sort of look at this material that we put out last year to readdress it to actually my brother Zurab who was in my band and he lives close to me we were able to just you know make these recordings essentially essentially home recordings you know and the idea was to create this feeling of an intimate concert um and so yeah I find that really fascinating that you know through this music and through the life that we've had in the last couple of years you know this yeah this record is now is now here Yes, yes, it's it, it really is. Honestly, I I really really enjoyed it, and it was lovely to to have an excuse to have the time out. You know what I mean? I could I could almost sort of justify to myself, well, listen, Katie and I are talking tomorrow, so I, I'm going to have to listen to the album anyway. Uh, but but it was just I put the headphones on, I closed the door, I got in the comfy chair, and it was just oh, and it, it reminded me the joys of a whole album listen again. Actually, it was really special. Really good. How lovely. I'm so glad. I really am. It's, uh, it, you know, I can hear that, you know, you really gave it a good listen. So thank you for that. I'm, I'm already looking forward to it again, Katie. I mean, yes, of course, I'll pick up individual songs and I'll put them in playlists that I listen to when I'm driving in the car and so on. Mm. But I'm, I'm looking forward to having that private time with you again, if you know what I mean, without sounding well, like a perv. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, but I mean, that's the essence of a record, isn't it? You, you kind of, you know, there is a voice and... Uh, suddenly, you know, you, the listener and the voice are able to connect, um, you know, and music is so emotional and or has so many emotions in it. Um, 
so to yeah to have that kind of intimacy between a record and a listener is, is a beautiful thing of course it's it's also quite bizarre because ultimately you know to me it's it's part of you know my life but it's also my job you know and once we've created a record and we've put it out there then yeah there are all these wonderful connections that happen between between that audio and the listeners you know and then there is this feeling of my gosh like I feel like you know so sorry I know I know I might be sort of confusing this a little bit but I'm looking at it both from the perspective of me the person that makes the record but also me the listener Mm. you know so when I've listened to I don't know, Bob Dylan or Joni Mitchell, I genuinely feel this very intense connection, you know, with those artists. But having been an artist myself, I kind of am aware that that connection is, isn't real, of course, you know, because in reality, there hasn't been an actual physical interaction. Um, you know, I've never been in the same space as Joni Mitchell and Bob Dylan. Um, but the music creates that magical illusion that that there is. Yes, and, and I, uh, I think the connection is still real, Katie, because you know they've they've put it out there into the world. I mean, you can you can enjoy the poems of Seamus Heaney, for example, who's been dead mm-hmm. for many years, and, and still have a connection to them. That's okay. You know, that's that's completely allowed. It's it's what it was yes. there for, isn't it? Yeah, of course. Well, yeah, I guess the connection is there with the art, you know, and and the work that's been created, and I guess the sort of the outpouring that the artist has done you know, whatever they've gone through, that emotional experience they've gone through to create the work, you know, is real. And I think if that is a really true um, connection, then I think, you know, great records and great works of art really illuminate it, you know, and then people can feel it. And then and then we feel actually that we're, we're not that different and we're not that distant from each other. Um, we can become, you know, yeah, very... Uh, very sort of understanding of each other. Yes. Gosh, you're a deep thinker, aren't you, Katie? It's it's, it's hugely impressive listening to you. you. You've really got your head screwed on. I'm, uh, I'm in awe of, of your level of thought. I'd love to be able to just, you know, connect with the world the way you are. It's it's really impressive. Well, I mean, I'd, sometimes, to be honest, I'm, I'm a real rose-tinted thinker and I try to be very, very positive. Um, but of course, you know, if, if that's the filter you have on the world, <laughs> then you end up, you know, sometimes overlooking, you know, many things that aren't right. Um, so, I, you know, I think it's good also to just uh, detune that aspect of things, you know? Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Katie, a bit of fun for you, given the uh, mm. given the, the, the research of 20 years ago or whatever it was with these, you know, with these 40 and 50-year-old Volvo drivers. How about a tour of Volvo dealerships? <laughs> Love it. Yes, let's do it. I mean, there's, there's going to be some money in that, isn't there? You know? <laughs> dealer to dealer. Get, Volvo would sponsor the tour. I mean, you could. Brilliant. Do, do, does that ever happen? Do you ever get sort of brands coming to you going, we, you know, we'd like to be associated with you somehow? You know, I was watching a show the other night and there were just two adverts that interrupted the show. And one of them was Johnny Depp doing an advert for something. And the other one was Kira Knightley or someone like that. And, and just, you know, huge Hollywood stars. Nothing to do with the brands they were they were kind of doing adverts for. I think it's a big thing in America. But have you had some sort of slight curveball conversations with people that have effectively wanted to connect with you on a brand level? Curveball ones? Um, Well, I mean, this is going to be a really, really odd one. But um, I actually did a gig once for um, 
I, I mean, I, I, I mean, I'm sure I can talk about this, but because it happened, and actually, I, it happens quite often um, for Mr. Glock, who was the um, the maker of the Glock pistol. Yes, right. And it was it was a really bizarre thing where actually we didn't really get the information of who it was that we were performing for. So I I flew out there with a band, you know, and that was a really strange thing, and there was quite a bit of debate about whether to do the show or not. But in the end, I kind of took the opinion that it was like, you know what, this is, this is how this person has made, you know, his money, but he is a human being and I'm here to sing, you know, and, and do my job. And so I will do that. But it it is a strange thing. You know, you, you kind of, you also have to judge like really how much as a singer and an artist, you know, how much, like how much power do you actually have, you mm. know? And sometimes, you know, being artists, we, we do get a bit of an over um, exaggerated sense of an ego. And it's like, yes, I can change the world. Well, you know, I think you can, if, if you gain people's trust and you maintain people's trust in a genuine way. But if, if you sort of, push that button too much then I think that trust and power can can slip away from you um so yeah that was quite a that was quite a bizarre episode yes I bet it was and I I, I imagine it was a bit of a glimpse into into real power you know I mean you can change the world with your art yes of course you can you can move people and you can make them feel all sorts of wonderful things and you have a platform you have a voice you have an audience which is terrific but but real power in this world I think is is still in the hands of an elite number of very, very super, like, ultimate wealthy business people, like I presume Mr Glock is one of them. Hello, it's John Markar here from our sister podcast, The Driven Chat Podcast. Right now, you're listening to The Andy J Podcast, and it's quite good, isn't it? In fact, do me a favour, give it a little review, five stars, and wherever you're listening, hit that little subscribe or follow button, because it does help. See you around. The Andy J Podcast. Well, I guess so. But I mean, again, being the roasting thinker that I am, I kind of think, oh, I don't know. You know, I mean, okay, yes, you know, super, super rich have power in terms of the freedom they have, what they can, you know, where they can go and what they can do. But it's, it is difficult to observe that power and to prove it. Um, but then again, I'm not really an expert on it. And, you know, I mean, I, I just feel lucky that I've been able to to have a job and um, you know, care for my family, to live in a really nice part of town through just making records. You know, I feel so blessed. I mean, there was this really interesting thing mum said, um, because, we, you know, we're Georgians living in, in London, and we also know a lot of Russians that live in London. And, um, and of course, by the fact of where we live in London, there's a lot of the mega rich Russians that we come across. And, and my mum was sitting with one of her friends and, and she was saying how, you know, they were talking about my kind of sort of very rose-tinted and ideals that I have about the world. And um, and my mom said this thing. She was like, oh, that's because Kate, you know, earned her money um, through, you know, never having to do anything really bad. Oh, yeah, and I just thought, <laughs> gosh, what a weird concept. You know, as in the fact that, you know, thinking that, people you know of course there are people that have made money by doing some really awful things by stealing and and 
corruption and God knows what else. But um, I don't know. I, you know, that's, that's always a bit of a shock to me because I think, gosh, you know, you you can do good by putting good things into the world. Like actually, when you were talking about earlier, you know, this idea of um, uh, product placements and, and celebrities. I mean, that's a very very lucrative business. I have like I'm not someone who has like a ton of offers pouring in, right? So like, you know, I'll be straight with you. But I've also always felt that we have so much products in the world. You know, why put more stuff in the world when, you know, we can hardly manage our waste? Yes. That- and, so, you know, so <laughs> that's why I kind of think, you know, making records is a good thing because essentially, and, and also the digital revolution is a good thing because, you know, the, uh, the records are now just audio rather than, you know, physical CDs. Yes, things will ultimately be landfill. And that's where, of course, mm. there's there's this wonderful movement we're seeing now where some people on the red carpet are pronouncing very boldly and very and very brightly, I've worn this one eight times now, you know, whereas yeah, other, exactly. that's sort of, really good. you'd have a one outfit thing that you'd only wear once and then, you'd, you know, it, it'll be chucked. So, yes, I mean, and that's absolutely right. You know, clothes will last a lot longer than we allow them most of the time and we should just keep wearing rather than rebuying. Do you know what's occurred yeah, to me? Yeah, I mean, ideally, yeah. <laughs> It's, it's, it's the way to do it, isn't it, Katie? I mean, you know, we don't always have to be seen in the latest stuff. And eventually, my clothes might come back in fashion that way, which would be good. I just need to start fitting them again. Lockdown hasn't been the kindest in that sense. It's, uh... Exactly. Yeah, but what the tricky thing is, you know, one is so tempted to always look one's best, you know. And, you know, this idea of freshness and newness is very, uh, you know, it's, that's a big addiction to us humans and... You know, so I, I struggle with that. You know, like, for example, I have an event I'm going to next week. And, I mean, I've got a wardrobe full of fabulous dresses. But I'm still thinking, oh, I don't know what to wear. And I should maybe go and get something new. And and it's it's just so silly. Because, <laughs> you know, there's, there's a ton of stuff I could wear that I already have. Yeah. It's that, well, there's a degree of retail therapy as well, isn't there? People, people sort yeah, of. Yeah, of course. I've never had that experience myself. I don't know if that's a, a bloke thing or just a me thing, but, you know, I've, I've, I've heard it used so many times that I gather some people get great comfort from going shopping and spending money. Well, of course, because, you know, of course, shops are done to really massage and, you know, create a great therapeutic environment, the bright colours, the shininess, the you know, just the, I guess the idea of ownership, also, you know, the idea that you've earned, you've, yeah, you've earned that money and so you're treating yourself, um, present buying, yeah, there's a lot of positive hormones that happen, I think, when you, when you go shopping. <laughs> Fair enough, thank you for explaining that. Katie, it's occurred to me, whilst we've been chatting, and this is an, another sidestep for you. I, I'm not sort of sensing we're going to do the Volvo dealership tour, which is fine. You know, that's that's up to you. But this one could work. It may already be in play, and I, you'll not tell me if it is. But, you know, you would make an incredible spy. You have access to some amazing people. You have, you have cover because you're, you know, you're a famous singer, so you can naturally be going to these places and, and start performing. And people will trust you. People will chat to you because they won't realise. I think, plus, you, you, you're multilingual, aren't you? So you're, you're in a very good position. 
Well, how do you know I'm not already? Well, I, this is it. Exactly. <laughs> how great would that be? It would be amazing if you were. No, I think if I, I, think if I was, I probably wouldn't be saying that. <laughs> I, I, th- I don't know. That's exactly what you'd say as a spy, isn't it? You'd be like, how do you know I'm not? <laughs> you know, oh, like know. the ultimate double bluff. You know, I haven't yet seen the new James Bond film. Have you? Yes, I have. Yes. Yes, of course. I mean, it's been out for ages. So, I mean, it's terrible. I, I need to go and see it. <laughs> but why, yeah, why do you mention that? It's, are you fascinated by spies or? I just think, well, or, when you were talking about how Mr. Glock had invited you over and, you know, then you mentioned how, you know, you know, all these high net worth Russians and so on and so forth. There's, there's that thing, which is access. You're already in there. Do you see what I mean? So therefore, if I were the government looking for a great spy, a great new spy that no one would <laughs> suspect, you'd be on my list. You know, I mean, could be quite fun. Well. Yeah, great. Okay, well let's uh, let's go for it. But I think that this surely negates negates the whole idea. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. The, the, How many <laughs> listeners have you got? <laughs> You've probably got a ton. So. Yes. Yeah, that would that would spoil it slightly, wouldn't it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, she was talking about how she was a spy. Oh, right. And then people would know it's it's the ultimate double bluff to the world. It could really work. Um, now, Katie, before we before we chatted, before we started recording for this for this show, you you very kindly pointed something out to me that I I hadn't been aware of last time we'd spoken, and so I was ignorant to it. And we're only going to touch on it briefly. And, and you've talked about this before, which is why we don't need to go into great detail. But it's, it's something that I wanted to mention because of album number eight and now, of course, acoustic album number eight. Uh, and that's to say that this, this album, which is something that I think some people have made assumptions on, it's not a divorce record because you, you, you split with James, your, your former husband. And when we spoke last time, I hadn't realised that you guys had split up. So my apologies, firstly, for, for my ignorance last time. And secondly, I just thought it was right to put that on record about how you haven't written this about being brokenhearted at the end of a relationship kind of thing? Well, I think there's many different ways of, you know, dealing with and, and um, treating uh, heartbreak and, um, you know, obviously relationships that don't go to plan. Um, we did have, you know, despite the, the difficulties of it, we did have a really amicable separation. Um, you know, and then there is this thing of, you know, those are all the emotions that you're, you're dealing with and also you know writing songs and making records it's uh you know those two you, you can't really separate them and I sort of realized I mean I used to be someone that that would always separate you know my my sort of work life and my personal life and I used to hate kind of talking about my relationships in in the media but but then you realize actually it's all part of life you know this is who I am this is the life I have these are the things that that I've gone through and um and I think it's important just not to be afraid to to talk about them and be open about them um and yeah I mean you know the record addresses it has to address the uh, the separation it has to address the sort of the imbalance that I felt between actually uh you know trying to be a a good wife and a good record maker you know and balancing those two things and also you know, a good Georgian and, uh, you know, someone who toured and, and did all the things that I needed to do for my management and record company. So it's all in the mix there. Um, and yeah, it's, it's just part of what happened. Yes, it's just life, isn't it? I mean, people yeah, get together, exactly. people get divorced. It, it, it happens. And, 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 you know, I don't think there's any shame in that. And I don't think there's any reason to, to hide from it. 
I mean, no, it's... of course not. I mean, to be honest, it was, if anything, I'd want to celebrate what we had because actually we had a wonderful relationship and, um, and I, you know, he will be a dear friend for life. Yes, which is really nice to hear. And, and there's, you know, there's, there's, there's not that many divorced couples that can say that to be fair you know most of them end in a bang you know you know what I mean that just well, hasn't quite yeah. worked so no that's that's you know and it, it is what it is where's where's your head at with everything now Katie are you are you, are you sort of I, I guess I'm probing a little bit here but are you sort of actively looking to to link up with a another young man maybe a, 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 I am, a DJ I am, or you know you know I'm so sorry to say but I am off the market I'm afraid hey hey um, all right yeah, sorry Whatever. sorry I mean Whatever, not, not interested. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, you know, look, it's, you know, the separation actually, um, you know, was quite a long time ago. And, um, and yeah, and things, you know, I've moved on and things are, are good now. And, um, yeah, I'm, good. I've got a new boyfriend and it's all good. Is it, what is it like with, with new love then? I mean, I mean, I realise that you might be sort of many months into this relationship, but but is it sort of... Does it have that same feeling that it does in your early 20s where you've got that kind of fizzle, that spark, that excitement, that, you know, catching your breath every time you think about the person and so on? Or, or are you kind of, is it a more mature sort of love now? Do you see what I mean? You know what? It's bizarre. It, it is absolutely not mature at all. It's, it's exactly <laughs> like being 17. <laughs> it's, you know, it's remarkable. Um, I remember being super young and kind of, you know, like when I, my first love, I remember thinking, can't wait to be older and not feel this sort of helplessness and you know this despair and and why doesn't he love me and all that but of course you at 37 um you know that level of emotion is still there um but you know I guess you learn how to I guess you learn how to sort of maybe control the outer layers of it and maybe not show it so much but um it is it's still as wonderful as you know, I could hope for it to be. Oh, that's really lovely. That's really nice to hear, Katie. As you've mentioned 37, do you feel any sort of weight around your age? I know it's a, you know, people start to think about age 37, will you start to consider oh, having children and all that? Yeah, is, is oh that... Oh my God, of course. Yeah, I mean, you know, the thing is, I don't know if it's uh, because I'm Georgian or not, but, you know, my parents have been like, when are you having kids? When are you having kids? For many, <laughs> many years. So, oh, yes, I definitely do. Um, and, yeah, it's just a case of just, you know, thinking, okay, when is it going to happen? Um, and I would love to. I'd actually love to have kids and have a family one day. Um, so, yeah, it's it's a case of let's see what happens. Oh, okay. This could be a watch this space moment. I love this. <laughs> oh, how exciting. Well, I'm very – I have three children, and I can tell you oh, children lovely. are just amazing. You'll never sleep again. I should warn you that. Get your sleep in now. <laughs> if you're planning it, if you're thinking about, you know, it's it's in my uh, it's in my timetable of, of things I need to do in my life, then, yeah, get get some rest while you can. Yeah. And, get and, some sleep in. Brilliant. <laughs> yes. And do things like go to the movies. And, well, you were at the Royal Abbott Hall, so that's great. So that's sorted. But, yes, you, <laughs> you've absolutely got to make sure that you do all the things you need to do now because your identity gets taken away for a, oh. a for a while in the best possible way for the best possible reason but how old are they your three my sweep from uh, my eldest is eight my youngest is eight months so yeah 
Oh, wow. Okay, amazing. So you're you're right in the crux of it. <laughs> yes, yes. And we're going through teething right now. So sleep is at a minimum. But, but it's great. <laughs> I wouldn't change it for the world. It really is great. You've got, uh, do you know what? I can't wait to hear the songs that will come out of you about motherhood. That's going to be incredible. Oh. oh, thank you. Well, yeah, I hope so. I mean, you know, definitely nothing to announce yet, but, um, you know, hopefully one day. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, I look forward to kind of checking in with this. Now, Katie, let's let's talk about because it occurred to me that previously we hadn't talked about your amazing sort of path to stardom. You know, and obviously you've mentioned being Georgian, of course. So your your journey, you were you were born and raised in Georgia, aged eight. I think it was you moved to Ireland, then Surrey, yeah. then London. So you have a great connection with many different parts of the UK, actually. I think you have a great affiliation with the Irish. And then, of course, you've, you, yeah. you clearly are in love with London as well, which is, which is wonderful. But just talk me through, because Georgia is still a very, very important place to you, isn't it? It's still somewhere that you connect with entirely and, and, and value very highly. Oh, massively so. I mean, you know, I remember my childhood in Georgia so well because, I mean, I think eight, nine is, is old enough where you've got a few years of solid memories. Um, Georgia is on the other side of the Black Sea um, to to us, and uh, we border Turkey, Armenia, Azerbaijan, and then on the northern side we have the Caucasian Mountains. Mm. So, and the climate ranges from subtropical to certain areas that are desert-like. Um, of course, we the mountains are covered in snow so it's a great place to ski as well as swim in the ocean in the black sea and um the land is quite rich in terms of you know watermelons are grown there pomegranates are a national fruit um and so it just meant a life that was very much led outside i was always outdoors as a kid i was always like making mud cakes um eating sort of sweet corn that was grown in a family farm and um it was beautiful and the music is is also very moving over there it, and i think it it was really you know the music from from georgia and that feasting um and sort of community based um life that i don't know just gave me a certain view of life and then moving to the uk there was suddenly this idea that I mean, actually, let me just quickly. So I just painted the the sort of the beautiful, the touristy version of Georgia, you know, the nature. And so that, I was going to say, that, why on earth did you move? It sounds amazing. I know yeah. it, it is. And it's, it's beautiful. But of course, we left in 1994 when Georgia had, you know, three years had been broken up from the Soviet Union and the country's economy was on its knees. Mm. Um, and that meant on a day to day basis, only an hour of electricity uh, no hot water per se. We, my mum used to um, have a bucket and she'd have one of these electric, uh, I don't know what they're called, they're electric sort of rods that you put in a bucket of water to heat the water up. Yes, okay. So for yeah. that one hour, and she'd always say to me, don't touch that water because, of course, if you touch the water, you could get electrocuted. So, yeah. you know, there was that in the house. Um, and I remember like queuing for bread when I was really young because we were given coupons per household. And so my grandma sneakily gave me a coupon and then she had a coupon. So we could Brilliant. somehow just get two pieces of bread because, you know, we, we had quite a big household. Um, and then so suddenly my dad manages to get a job at the Royal Victoria Hospital in Belfast. Um, and, uh, as, a, and of course, as a heart surgeon. 
Yeah, it's he a was pretty he, significant he, job. It's not like he was. You know, yeah, I know. I mean, I say suddenly I shouldn't be so flippant about it, but yeah, he he did, and um, and I remember actually when I'd go down and play in the yard in Georgia, and for about six months there was a question mark of whether you know dad would retain his job so I, I guess he must have come over for a trial period um and then whether we would follow him and I'd always get really nervous because of course everyone in the yard had heard that my dad had gone to the west you know and and as a family me my dad and mum and my little brother had the opportunity to move out of Georgia at a point where people were way too poor to go anywhere and the country was just sort of waking up from the shock of the breakup of the Soviet Union um and I just remember thinking, oh, you know, I don't want to talk about the potential sort of lottery win ticket of moving to the West. Right. Because it really, it really was just, you know, I could feel that it would have been a completely life-changing experience. Um, you know, and then these months went by and dad managed to, you know, do really well with his position. And uh, and then we were on a plane to uh, first to Trabzon in Istanbul and then to London and then London to Belfast. Wow. Wow. And, and you've, you've talked previously, and I'm very keen to, de- de- to kind of dive into this a little bit, about the, the, your fascination with mindsets, nation to nation. You know, you've talked about how you were quite surprised at the, the sort of British mindset versus the Georgian mindset, which is very much, to paraphrase, very much a, a sort of follow your dreams kind of thing. If you want to do something, go out and do it, whereas we're a bit more reserved over here. Well, yes. I mean, of course, generalizing is never good, right? Sure. But um, and also, I'm beginning to realize that um, I think the British are also very much about, you know, go after your dreams, but it it needs to be presented in a subtle way, and it needs to be laced in humor, and um, you know, like it, it there's a sort of a um a sense that it's ugly to sort of show um, relentless, um, you know, desire to succeed, right? So, but actually I think it's still there in people's hearts. So I, I'd say that, that's something that I've observed more recently. I don't know, would you agree? Yeah, I, I certainly think that people are more proud of wanting to achieve these days. I think it was yeah. probably a little bit more stuffed shirt, buttoned up, don't tell people your secrets kind of thing. Whereas I certainly yeah. think, and actually also I think the pandemic's played a part as well. I think people are, yeah. defences are down, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's so true. I mean, I, I actually think, I find it really interesting how people's perceptions have changed since the pandemic. There is, you, you're so right, that has definitely, uh, you know, people's defences are down and people are a lot more, I think we want to support each other a lot more, you know, we want to feel closer a lot more, you know. Um, So, yeah, and and perhaps, I mean, there's that age-old thing of like, you know, if a country or a nation is going through something really difficult, then it unites people. Yes. Um, But if if a society is relatively, um, you know, successful, then people have more chances to sort of just be in their own, individualized pockets yes that makes a lot of sense yeah and of course the pandemic pulled us all together we were all in the same boat nobody could do this nobody could do that we were all yeah. locked up effectively and and, and it was exactly one yeah. of the very few times in the world where everybody was equal 
not necessarily equal with their, you know, some people had gardens and spaces they of could course, roam and so yeah. on. But in terms of the the instructions, we were all having to follow the same rules and, and in the same situation, which was refreshing. Yeah, a remarkable unified experience or unifying experience. Yeah, not one I want us to ever have to go back to, of course, because the, uh, no, the, the undertone wasn't fun. But it was, it, you know, psychologically, it was quite curious that we were unified in that sense. Um, anyway, Katie, sort of back to, back to your story. Apologies, we've we've gone on a tangent as we tend to do actually you and I which is fun oh no I love it it's yeah, great it so, is. You know, like, it is. I mean one of the funniest things about this job and actually I said this to my manager um as we were sort of coming to the end of the last records campaign I just said I'm really sick of hearing my name <laughs> I'm wow. like I'm kind of <laughs> well you know I mean like let's just be honest you you know if you're an artist you're putting a record out and you're doing a ton of interviews it's all about you. So actually, I love these tangents. Let's continue. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I think we've tangent, 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 which is great. I mean, you know, I was expecting us to spend an hour talking about acoustic album number eight. And you've, oh, bless you, you, you <laughs> haven't focused on that, which is which is a rare quality, actually, Katie. Just a, another tangent for me. You know, there are some, I've been doing this job for quite a while now, and I've spoken to hundreds, if not thousands of celebrities over the years. And, and yeah, there are some that that simply don't entertain tangents. They just, they're there to promote something. It's a sales pitch and that's that. And and that's fine. I respect that, but it's mm. so much better when you just have the confidence of the product. I've, I'm going to mention it plenty of times on the radio and it'll, you know, we'll have the podcast and everything else. It is a lovely, it's a beautiful album. People should listen to it. And it, I feel like for you, that's enough. I've said that and, it, and I believe it. I, I don't say something's good if it's not good and it is great. And you're not sort of forcing me to go, well, let's talk about track number one and track number two no, and so on. <laughs> Some people no, do, Katie. Some people do. Do they? Well, yes. it's their way. <laughs> <laughs> let them have it <laughs> it is exactly and like i say it's fine but it's you know you you don't get much out of it at the end of the day do you know what i mean as in the listener's going to be sitting back going okay well the album's good then you know that's well whereas... yeah but you know what i mean look the album's good but i love a good conversation you know like i think a great conversation is one of the joys of life and um you know i, I actually also know you know, a lot of artists who don't enjoy interviews um, and don't necessarily enjoy the whole promo side of things. But um, I've actually, apart from it being too focused on one individual, which is me, apart from that, when there are tangents, when the conversation is allowed to be quite free roaming and exploratory, it, it's great. It, it, you know, it can be like a, a philosophy uh, exploration or like therapy or it could be a whole host of things and it can be a lot of fun. So, um, yeah, I love it. Yes. This, there's a sort of, there's almost a degree of the therapist's chair sometimes to a conversation, even though I have absolutely zero skills or qualifications in, you know, the human mind or, and all these kind of things. You do find that people, it's, it is lovely when people just chat and share because it's. Yeah, exactly. So I much... mean, my mum always says uh, her therapy is or her girlfriend, you know, she's, she wakes up every morning um, with a cup of coffee, first a phone call to her mum back in Georgia. They have a FaceTime. Oh, lovely. And then she goes through three or four of her best friends, also on FaceTime, all in Georgia, all over here in London. And it's it's brilliant. She's like, this is my therapy. And I'm like, great. <laughs> and are these, Katie, are these proper FaceTimes? Or are they, you know, you basically see each other's ear? 
Uh, you know what? Actually, the funniest one was during the pandemic. They discovered the multi FaceTime, um, you know, so where <laughs> yes. all of them could be on it. But but at least two of them were always like sideways or upside down. And I would just say, I'd say to them, I was like, "How are you able to have this conversation with like two of your friends are upside down?" And it was hilarious. <laughs> how, have, how have you got on in the sort of Zoom side of things, Katie? Because there's there are the I remember when Zoom first became a thing and we all had to do it in order to survive, in order to keep going and yes, so on. Yeah. But there was a comedy sketch that came out, which was about someone just looking at themselves on Zoom. You know, you've got like six oh, or seven other people. So and it, it is so distracting, isn't it? When, you, when you're when you aware that there's a camera on you and yes. you can see your own face. And I don't know, it's, I, I do my level best to, you know, you can often swipe so your yourself isn't on that page because I yeah. can't handle it. If, if I'm on there, I'll just be like, wow, I look really old. Oh, I'm still looking old. Well, I just, I became obsessed with my background and I was like, <laughs> oh my God, you know, I need to. So I went and got this beautiful like dry tree and I put it in my living room and I angled the camera just right, you know, and then I was like, oh, and the lighting needs to be. So yeah, you become completely obsessed. It's, it's outrageous. But did you see the um the American lawyer who got turned into a cat on a Zoom? <laughs> yes. That was genius. That had me laughing for so long. I, I think everyone has probably seen it by now. Yes, yes, no, that was perfect. And of course, there have been a few um, Zoom nightmares with people not yeah. realising the camera is still on or that they're still on conversation <laughs> and so on. <laughs> which would be awkward. I mean, do you find yourself having to catch yourself sometimes, Katie? Are you because because I think. It, with this sort of open book philosophy that people are now applying, which is great, and, and this awareness that devices are all, always listening to us, which is slightly sinister, actually. You know, do you find that you are now internalising certain things that you might have previously said out loud? Oh, I don't know. I'd say I'm, I, I come out with things more, perhaps. Um, I mean, you know, you kind of, you always have to deal with your vanity, though, right? Like, because it is, it's just what it is. You sort of, you know, you sort of always have to think, okay, well, how do I look? And, you know, and I wish it wasn't that way, but um, it just seems to be part of human nature. I've not really been able to sort of kill that off. Well, you're um, fortunate in that sense, though, Katie. I don't know if it's your Georgian genes or, or, or if you have amazing moisturiser, but you don't seem to age. Oh, well, I'm sure I, I mean, I'm sure I do, and I, I certainly will. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, but, you know, I mean, th- well, thank you, first of all. Very nice of you to say so. Um, but no, I mean, but I tell you what, though, speaking of vanity, there's some, there was another thought I had yesterday, which was, okay, so there is the sort of the aesthetic vanity, but there's, I think, intellectual vanity might be worse. Like, how many people do you know who are, who really get really wound up about being thought of as not intelligent or smart? Um I mean, I can definitely put my hand up and say, well, I definitely, I'm, you know, I'm definitely at fault of that, you know, of, of wanting to be considered as intelligent and, and thinking that you might not be. So maybe that's a, <laughs> that's a talk for next time. Well, how far, <laughs> well, yes, I'm mindful that we're, we're closing out on time as well, but, but, you know, just while on the subject, how far has that vanity gone, Katie? Have you done like the Mensa test, for example? Oh, actually, no, I haven't done that. Although I did the IQ, I tried to do the IQ test like, in my early twenties, but I, I, you know, I would sort of log on and it would be like to do the test fully pay 125 quid. 
and then I, I would just give up. <laughs> well, yeah, can you imagine if you, if you paid the money and then your number came out lower than you were wanting? Yeah, exactly. And you're like, what a waste of my money. Yeah, I know, exactly. Don't tell me I'm a low average. I want to be a high yeah, whatever. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> well, this, I mean, you are a deep thinker though, aren't you? You know, you, you, you clearly, you read a lot, you're very cultured, you're very sophisticated, but, you know, I can tell from a number of times we've spoken, but in particular just this last hour, you're a very, very bright woman. Well, thank you so much. But uh, there you go. You're feeding my intellectual vanity there. That'll be £125, <laughs> please, Katie. That was uh, how much the test was, wasn't it? <laughs> I'll, come up, I'll come up with the number for you. Right. <laughs> um, Katie, um, look, we're, we're coming to the end, which is such a shame because there's a million things I had to, com- to, to sort of speak to you about. In fact, I've got nine pages of notes. I haven't even picked them up yet. Literally, I oh haven't my touched my notes. We've just kind of fallen into a chat and it's been, it's been joyful. But what wow. is... What is next for you? I know there's a tour of Germany for next year and so on, but in the in the short term, you know, approaching Christmas and then January, February next year, what what are you thinking about? Oh, well, there's one thing I'm so excited about, which is um, uh, one of my bestest friends, Polly Scattergood. Uh, we actually met at school when we were 16. We are starting a podcast together. Ooh. And um, yes, and it's, uh, it's focusing on record making. And so we're inviting... On each uh, episode, we invite musicians, artists, record makers to talk about the art of record making. You know, topics like how to stay inspired in a shifting music business, you know, how like the mystery of the hit song. Um, And it's great because it's me chatting with my very good friend, Polly, and some very inspiring guests. So, um, and that'll actually, uh, it is actually already out. So, uh, yeah, you can check it out via mine and Polly Scattered Social. That's super exciting. What's it what's it called? What's the title of it? The title is The Detail. The Detail. Amazing. Yeah. And dazzle me with a couple of names, Katie, because I'm gonna be super jealous. Um so Fran Healy. Love it. Uh, from who is, you know, the writer and frontman for Travis. Yeah. Jim Sklavunos, who was in the Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds. Um Imogen Heap, who is an incredibly pioneering producer and composer in our industry tim harris who is an incredibly revered bass player and musician in the music industry um bruce woolley i mean yeah the list is, is incredible wow Got some talent on there. Oh, fabulous. Well, you know, Katie, you're going to have to all get together. Like everyone that you've had on the pod, you're going to have to do some music together as well, just to sort of celebrate oh, the show. Oh, that sounds lovely. I love that. What a joy. Katie, it's it's so special to talk to you again. I've, oh, I've really enjoyed it. Thank you so it. much, Andy. Thank you. Thank you. We haven't, oh my goodness, this list of things we've not spoken about. What a shame. We'll have, we'll have to do this again and we'll have some fun. Yes, we'll just have a giggle definitely. next time. <laughs> definitely, definitely. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for your time. And, uh, yeah, look forward to the next time. It's an absolute joy, Katie. Thank you very much. Good luck. All right. Good luck with the Take new care. album. I Thank meant you. what I said. I love it. It's beautiful. The Andy J Podcast. Yeah, I just think she's great. I really, really dig talking to Katie. She's so much fun. And I look forward to our next chat. And yeah, I reckon she probably is a spy. Of course, she'd never tell us, though, would she? <laughs> Anyway, listen, thanks so much for choosing the Andy J Podcast. Big chat on the way for you next week. All I'm going to tell you is that she is a world-renowned chef and she has the most fascinating backstory. 
that's as much as you're going to get. You'll have to find out who it is. You've probably already worked it out, but you can find out who it is by subscribing, following, whatever the term is now, to the pod. And obviously your feedback is always much, much appreciated, especially in the nice comments. I love it when you get in touch via social media. I don't really do Twitter. I go on it every now and again to retweet things, but Instagram's my jam, and lots of you have found me via private DMs and so on that way. So thank you so much for your lovely comments. And I look forward to your reaction to this episode and indeed the episodes to come. So have a great week. Walk well, make someone smile, and I'll catch you on the flip side. Bye bye. The Andy J Podcast.